Hi, and welcome to the Family Brain Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to the glorious and messy world of family life and mental health. I'm your host, Megan Gibson. I'm a licensed clinical social worker with a private practice in Austin, Texas. I try to keep it real, and I invite guests who I think might help us navigate this journey of being human. Thanks for listening. So today I have Mandy Harvey joining me on the family brain. Hi, Mandy. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. I've been listening to some of the podcasts that you've been on and I'm excited to share what you do and your work. And one of the things I love is you have a very soothing way about you, which I love. I, you would think that I would, because I talk about mental health, not so much. I feel like (laughs) I don't know. That's my own perception, at least. Um, So I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about, so you work with people in sort of uncovering or figuring out how trauma impacts their current relationships, functioning, work, all of it, which we'll talk about. But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about just how you got to this work. How did this become something that you were interested in doing? Yeah. Well, 10 years ago, if you told me I would be doing this, I would have laughed in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about trauma? No way. (laughs) Good times. Uh, (laughs) Good times only. (laughs) Yes. Right. Like who has that? No, we're just going to focus on the good here. Um, Well, like many, I got into this work because of my own uh, past and my own experiences in life. Um, I grew up in a very traumatic childhood or traumatic home. Um, with multiple forms of abuse. Um, My parents took their lives when I was 14 years old. And uh, from that point on, it really uh, was all about, and I didn't understand it then, but it was all about really living with uh, initially PTSD. And um, over the course of my life up until this point, really unpacking and uncovering the CPTSD, the complex uh, form of it. And As I journeyed from teenage years to early adulthood, there were many years in my life where I went to see a therapist, where I went to seek help. When I knew when I would get depressed and anxious, it was time for me to go get support. And um, that kind of carried me through into my uh, adult years. Um, But I never felt like anything was really resolving deep in my body. I still lived with a lot of underlying anxiety. I lived with chronic health issues, chronic fatigue, um, gut issues. Um, After my children, I started to develop autoimmune conditions and was living under an extreme amount of stress. Now that stress was partly because I was a new mom and had two small children, didn't know what that was going to be all about. And um, I had a very stressful corporate job where I was trying to, you know, rise up on this corporate ladder and be seen as this powerful corporate employee. And at the same time, I didn't realize it, but I had been running on chronic stress my entire life. So just continuing to pile on this stress, this stress, this stress eventually led me to having um, burnouts, multiple burnouts, uh, one related to my health as, um, as my children were pretty little, um, my diabetes really got out of control. 
And there was a point where I hit rock bottom and realized I had to do something different, or I felt like I would be dying early, just like my mother had. Um, And I didn't want that for my children. So I really developed this powerful um, drive to improve my health. And as I did that, I realized, oh my gosh, there's so much power in how we eat and how we feed ourselves. And all of a sudden I have mental clarity and I'm not so anxious anymore. What's What's this connection here? And I went to school and became um, educated and trained as a functional nutritionist. And as I went out in the world with drinking the Kool-Aid and wanting to help people heal their health and all the things, I started to work with um, primarily women who were seeing me with chronic health issues, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, um, lupus, um, menopause even, you know, really the gamut really was wide ranging, but as I would work with them to change their lifestyle and their habits, they'd get to a point where they would be able to do it. And then they would stop. It was like, they hit a brick wall. And I really got curious, like why, why can people maintain this for a period of time, but then lose, lose focus and, or lose the, the why behind what they were doing. And as I started to work with them deeper and ask them more questions I started to uncover that they all at some point had experienced something traumatic in their childhood that really left an impression around how they felt they deserved to be nourished, whether that was through food or relationship or connection. Um, All of a sudden, it started to make sense to me that these patterns that we develop in our childhood years where we might not get the most loving situation or we might have a traumatic situation, all of a sudden, we're carrying that forward. And the longer we carry it forward, the more impact it has on our health and the more impact it has on our ability to um, make change and create change in our life that we really want. Um, But some, for some reason there's that block. So as I got curious about that, I started to realize, and my eyes started to open, oh my gosh, I had trauma as a child. Oh my gosh, look at the correlation in my life where I had struggles with this and I had struggles with that. And I was so um, excited to learn more that I became educated and trained as a somatic experiencing practitioner. Um, And so as I learned more about that, that really kind of shifted my business into being focused around helping people uncover Um, the either emotional wounds, the traumatic injuries, whether seen or unseen that they might still be holding on in their bodies that are impacting their ability to really live the life that they desire and helping them walk that journey of healing um, in a way that's real supportive and nourishing for themselves and that nervous system of theirs. Yeah. It's, it's so cool to hear about how you sort of came to put the pieces together through like more of a traditional nutrition path. And then you start to realize like, wait a second. And it's just cool because I feel like I have a lot of, a lot of people I talk to that sort of have this, um, maybe new way, newer way of looking at certain things. It's like that where you kind of go into a traditional path and then you're kind of like, wait a second, something's (laughs) not really adding up here, you know? Um, and this somatic maybe you could talk a little bit about what that is all about. I am newer to it and it's almost like embarrassing that I am (laughs) to it. You know, I mean, it's like, I know that the body holds on to things. I know that I'm pointing to my brain. I know that mentally, but I still end up, um, 
oftentimes talking through things, wanting things to be through words or thoughts, just because that's how my brain kind of works, I guess, or it's the default. Yes. Yeah. So you could, could you talk a little bit about what somatic therapy is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's so I, what I'll say is I had started my own healing journey in trauma in therapy, you know, doing talk therapy and I've done EMDR and a couple of different modalities. And I would say with somatic experiencing for me and everyone is different. Everyone has a unique uh, system and a unique healing process. So it might be different for someone else, but for me, somatic experiencing was the missing link to releasing and healing the things that kept repeating in my life. And it was because it was deep in my body. It was deep in the cells, deep in the tissues of my body. Um, All that trauma, all that unresolved anger, unresolved fear, unresolved experiences that I had all lived in my body. And for so many years, I'd been trying to intellectualize my way out of the experience. And I would talk about it and I'd talk about it and I got really good at telling my story and, you know, analyzing, well, maybe I am anxious and, you know, I could try these exercises, but what was missing was like that anxiety didn't live in my head. It lived like in my body when I was anxious, I felt it in my chest. Like my chest would tighten up. I felt it in my stomach. Oh my gosh. My stomach would get so bloated when I get anxious and stressed. And so for me, somatic experiencing, I did it myself. I went through three years of it and I was able to recover and heal more in those three years than I was in the last 20 years of all the other types of modalities. And that's because somatic experiencing one is this very gentle way of accessing and releasing what's in the nervous system, bringing kind of homeostasis or balance to the nervous system, but in very gentle, small ways, allowing it allows your nervous system to slowly build up this resilience to hold a little bit more, to hold a little bit more, to hold a little bit more. And the more capacity we have to hold maybe some stressful um, tense experiences, the more we can access those deeper within us and heal those um, in a way that allows our nervous system, its natural balance of, you know, being a a rest state to being more anxious or tense to then coming back down to a more rest state. So what somatic experience looks like in like in a practical setting would be um, just helping someone one tune into where their nervous system state is at today. So if they've never done any type of work around accessing the somatic, which is their body, if they've never done any of that work, well, we might spend a lot more time building up what I call blue resources, which are your kind of calm, peaceful states, giving your nervous system time to acclimate to what does it feel like to just like look at a look outside and see the sky? Like, what does that feel like in your body? What does that that bring up for you? Is that calm? Is that anxious? Finding resources for us to attach to and sink and settle into our bodies through that. And then once we have the capacity to hold those, because we're all really good at walking through life in stress, <laughs> we, we've all really established this pattern of, I can do this. I just push through, or sometimes I might take care of myself. Sometimes I won't, but we're really good at at that, but we might not be so good at holding space for things that feel calm and relaxing in our nervous system. So it's kind of working the opposite first. And then we might spend a little bit of time 
looking at something that's a red resource, which is more triggering, more activating, but we don't go diving deep into any type of trauma because when we do that, if it's in a nervous system that isn't settled or grounded, the nervous system will tense up Mm -hmm. and we will resist and we might have some um, physical response to that. And we don't want that. We don't want you to be re-traumatized in a way that sets you back. So this really just pays attention to your body's state, the sensations you experience in your body when you're feeling a certain way and helps your body to attune to either a resource that feels calming to you so that we can go into something a little bit more tense so we can bring you back in a safe way. And it's these gentle pendulations back and forth where we slowly start to build up more capacity in the body to do more deeper healing. Very cool. Yeah. I, I love the way you describe it. And I, it's tough because I feel like it's tough to describe something yes. that is in your body. Yeah. It's like, yes. let's talk about the thing that's not intellectualized, but with <laughs> words and with intellect. Like, that's right. That. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and so how would somebody, I feel like there are people who, maybe can recognize that their nervous system is overstimulated or is, is responding to trauma. What are some things that you tell people, like if somebody's listening to this and that's not me, I don't have any problem. You know, what, what are some things that somebody could look for that maybe indicate that your nervous system could benefit from some settling? I mean, I don't know if any humans, I mean, all the humans maybe, but but if yes. you, what yes. are some specific things that people can look for? Well, first and foremost, I would say for anybody who's like, I don't think that's me. Like I'm totally calm and chill. Um, what I would say is even if you're calm and chill, like, I think we should all approach life through the lens of curiosity and just be curious about our own experiences, whether that's an experience in how I feel in this particular setting with you in front of me or in my kitchen with my family or at a an event where there's all these people around me that I don't know or um, what my nervous system feels like in the grocery store versus the bank mm-hmm. versus Target. Versus you know, I think it is- I was just at the DMV. I was like, why am I so scared here? I felt like I was in prison. Like, I felt like I was going to get in trouble. Yeah. Yes. Right. Our nervous system really is attuning to where we're at faster than we're it's happening before we're putting thoughts to it. Yeah. So I, I really invite everyone to just take the lens of curiosity wherever you're at and really curious, get curious about, okay, if I'm sitting here right now, what am I feeling in my body? What does, what, what's happening in my body? Do I feel relaxed? Does my body feel calm? Do I feel settled or do I feel like tense? Like, oof. like you mentioned, you were feeling a little scared or unsafe. What was the word you used? At, um, at the DMV. Yeah. Um, what did I say? I don't know. Scared. I think scared. <laughs> Yeah. Nervous like trouble, nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're in trouble. I tried yeah, to so... talk to the person working there about that feeling. And my son goes, I don't think they want to talk to you about that. <laughs> That's why I feel like, I don't know. But yeah. I'm they were curious there yeah. where that was in your body. Like if you could locate that, where did that sensation live in your body? Probably like my upper chest area. Like, was it tense or was it like, what did it, do you remember? Um, I think it was tense and it was also kind of like a lightness in my body of like not feeling fully grounded Mm. in my body, just like a little bit floaty. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's exactly the practice you would do to get more in tune with your body, get more in tune with understanding what you're, what's happening in your nervous system to begin with. If you have no clue, or, or if you're like, you know, I think I'm pretty good. I would invite any and all people to just do that exercise. You don't have to spend more than a minute really assessing how do I feel here in this moment? What does my body feel like? Am I feeling like I have a tight chest, a heavy chest? Is my stomach all upset? Are my shoulders up in my ears? You know, is my back tight? Um, or do I feel relaxed and kind of flowy or floaty? <laughs> you know, like I'm not grounded, you know, any and all of those will help us figure out one where our nervous system is. And then in different places, our nervous system might feel different. So I would invite everyone to just try that out for a day, see what it's like and see what information you might gather. Yeah. For people who um, are like, gosh, um, I'm not sure, but I know I am anxious and, you know, or I know I'm feeling stressed. How do I know what my nervous system is like? Well, you might notice some of these things we're talking about. You might notice you have a bloated stomach. Like for me, I, I remember when I first started connecting the dots with my stress at work or at home with my body sensation, I started to realize every time I got stressed, my stomach started to feel bloated. And it was like, I could feel the tension in my stomach and I could feel it getting harder and harder. And it was like, by the end of the day, I felt like I was pregnant, you know, because mm. my stomach was so bloated. I was holding all of these emotions in my stomach. Uh, you might feel like um, you might have physical sensations like headaches or, um, you know, you might feel tense in your body. You might experience health issues. Um, autoimmune conditions are an example where there is tension in your body, tension in your nervous system. Um, and so I, I think it can be anything and everything, some of these symptoms, but it really comes down to getting clear on how you experience the world and what your nervous system is really experiencing moment to moment to better understand the correlations. So when I'm relaxed and reading a book in my bed, I feel calm. But when I'm at work and I'm having this meeting, all of a sudden I can feel this tension in my stomach and I feel like I'm going to throw up or something. You know, those indications start to really paint the picture for you of what your nervous system is doing. Yeah. Well, it seems as you're talking, I'm thinking about sort of the people I know who do pay attention to these things. And it seems like often we, don't want to pay attention until it's a really like a runaway train, you know, that there's, I mean, I'm raising my own hand, you totally. know, yes, yes. yes. been there <laughs> um, that, you know, if we could, if we could almost make it more of a priority, like one of the things I've noticed for myself uh, yeah. is that, like, I rush things that don't need to be rushed. Like yeah. I'm rushing something that's like, it's going to take the same amount of time, regardless of how I approach this task. Yes. And that's new information for me, but like just little things like that, that sometimes you just like, why? And I think sometimes even what you were saying about having little kids, I think sometimes parents get into the habit. It's like your nervous system, your way of processing things is like constant fire drill. And yes. so, and then you get to a point where you're outside of the fire drill and you're still operating from like fire drill. I don't know. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Absolutely. I actually had experiences like that too. Early on when I was understanding the correlation, I would 
there would be moments where I'd be like, why am I so stressed about this right now? Like I, you know, it'd be something silly, like washing the dishes, you know, like I'd feel that stress starting to kind of rise up in my body. And I think, why am I so stressed? I I don't need to be like, I'd look around and be like, I'm okay. I don't need to be stressed right now. It's all right. We can take a breath. We can enjoy the dishwashing. You know, it just is interesting how we get stuck to get done anyway. Yeah. And it's like me being stressed about it. Isn't going to make it go faster. Yes. Yes. Uh, so one of the things I was wondering about, I'm, I know a lot of the work you do is with um, corporations. You talk to businesses about how trauma and stress can impact functioning in, in that corporate environment. Yeah. How do you get your foot in the door of these, or does it have to be a place that's kind of already working on some of these things? I guess I'm wondering, how do you make that bridge from like thinking about your body and thinking about how you show up in the workplace and how, how do you kind of get, I want to say buy-in from, from places to sort of think about this as it shows up to me, it's obvious, but I feel like a lot of places it's not, it's not the thing people typically do. No. And you know what, there are, you know, some of the traditional corporations that are like, that sounds very woo woo. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, we don't focus on that. We're, you know, hardcore, <laughs> get the, get the work done. And, you know, then there are the other organizations that are really interested in supporting their employees. And I think we're going to see a wave of that more and more being pushed by the employee desire to feel, you know, supported and seen in the workplace. Um, but yeah, there, I it's currently for me been organizations that are more focused on mental health and awareness uh, with their employees that are interested in bringing this conversation to the workplace. Um, and having worked in corporate America for over 20 years, I understand the uh, the lingo, I understand the experiences of an employee as well as a leader. So I had multiple roles throughout my lifetime where I was an individual just employee and a leader of people where I understand the challenges and I understand the element of that employee getting to a point of burnout or that leader getting to a point of burnout and not being able to see through that, see beyond that. So how do we support our employees in a way that feels not just um, supportive for what they need to go through, but how do we empower our leaders to have the type of language available to have uh, conversations or to open up a safe space for those employees to feel seen, to feel heard. So I kind of work at it from two lenses. I work and support uh, through workshops and conversations at the employee level, that helping them make that connection of like, I show up at work and I'm stressed and I can't think straight, or I just had a conversation with someone and I'm so angry and I just want to explode. Like, how do we, you know, giving them the tools to work through those and regulate their emotions and learn the connection between their body and um, their outward experiences. And then also uh, working with leaders to give them the language and the the conversation and the dialogue that can be supportive in setting a safe space um, for all around to feel like they have the the uh, support of their workplace and their their leader to show up as their full authentic selves and not try and hide 
um, and be something that they're not. Have you ever had to, I mean, clearly not naming names, but have you ever had to go in and be like, the company wants it to be a safe place and you see this is not a safe place. Like, why would someone feel safe here? Like, what yeah. happened? That's the tough part, I think, with work, with families too. Like, you're safe yeah. here. And somebody's like, no, actually, I'm not. Yes, yes. So how do you manage that? That's Very a tough, true. tough role. It is. I mean, I think it comes through conversation and being authentic in my own voice and my own purpose. And that is helping as many people as I can go through the healing journey to find their true authentic selves and stand in their own power and their own truth and their own safety. But if the environment is not supportive of that, then it's my duty to speak up and share that and say, What's going to support this whole process is a and is this, 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 and this. And that includes your executive team also being supportive of this. It includes the, you know, senior leaders, it includes the manager level, it includes the employee. So oftentimes I will talk about a whole comprehensive experience that has something for everyone, but it's not enough to just come in and do one talk and leave and be like, all right, you guys are all set up here. Here you go. It really, just like as an individual, when we're healing, it's a layered ongoing process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those feel like big steps. Sometimes those feel like real small steps, but we can't do it in a vacuum and, and expect that it's going to, you know, push out something wonderful. We have to think about all the layers and all the ways in which we experience life. So if they are supportive to that conversation, then we will have this great conversation and find a solution for that organization. And, and sometimes it's not a good fit because yeah. they have to be on board. And I, I believe that that needs to be in place in order to, if their goal is to support their employees and everyone has to be on board, speaking the same language, understanding the same things and really moving forward in the same way. Yeah. What about when things come up? Um, Cause we are talking about trauma and like things like racism, sexism, ableism, like how does that come up in your work and how do you I sort of acknowledge that those are things too. I, I just feel like there's some of these things that are considered political that you might be bringing into the workplace that then, but you, to, for it to be fair, you kind of have to say what it is. How, how do you navigate that space? Yeah, for me, I see it as we all are coming to work with um, either our own personal experiences, our generational experiences, our cultural traumas. I, I meant to say traumas are so our cultural traumas, our generational traumas, our own personal traumas, we're all coming to work with something and we have to be inclusive and understanding that it all has an impact on how we show up today. And it all has an impact on the path that we move forward in terms of our healing. So it's not shunned in the conversation. Um, it's a part of the conversation that these are all experiences that you know, John might have different experiences than I have that is different than Joanne, but we are all talking about how do we, how do we move through that trauma? How do we move through those experiences and come to work showing up more in our authentic selves, um, being supported in an environment um, that is trauma informed and that is inclusive of those. So 
Oftentimes, if they do have um, an in- inclusivity group or leader or DNI organization within the group, I often will ask that they're included as well, so we can uh, collaborate and um, cross uh, function out the messaging and the work that they're doing to make sure that everyone's voices are heard. Thanks. What um, are there things that you were hoping to, I feel like I've kind of, I'm just curious about your business and how how it all works, but what are some other things that you were hoping to talk about that I haven't asked you about yet? (laughs) Um, Well, I think, you know, when we talk about trauma and we say everyone has experienced it on some level, um, maybe some of us are further along and we've healed some things. Maybe some of us are new in the journey um, or we're somewhere in between. Um, I think for me, what's important to understand and what I want everyone to really take away is that uh, we have uh, we have personal power. We have power within us to take control over our experiences. And um, really for me, I think the biggest thing that we've talked about today that I'd like to reinforce is that level of curiosity and just inviting your yourself to be open to getting curious about your experiences. And when we have trauma, it influences not just how we show up, but it influences our relationships. And that could be relationships at work or at home or friends, or even with our children. Um, and it can impact our our motivation, it can impact our health and it can impact our worthiness, our level, our self-worth, our self uh, image. And all of these things we walk through life with, we, we walk through the day with, and sometimes we hold shame around, well, I'm just not this way, or I'm, I hold shame around, I can't do this right. And the reality may be that that's not true. Perhaps it's just something you've, it's a pattern or behavior that you've learned as a survival mechanism to what you experienced or what you've experienced in life. Uh, And those, the good news is that that can, those can be shifted. They can be changed. They can be healed. They can be reprogrammed. You can establish something new, but it starts with really one holding curiosity and compassion for yourself and where you're at today and realizing that where you're at today is beautiful because everything got you here that, you know, your survival techniques, your survival patterns, maybe they don't feel good and you want to adjust them, but in this moment, they got you to where you're at and you're here and you're alive and that's hope and, you know, opens the possibility that now you can shift that and starting with curiosity is the best way to really kind of build awareness around what is working, you know, how am I reacting in this way or that way? And you know, I, I, when I was confronted in my workplace, you know, I reacted this way, but that's not really how I want to react. You know, this is how my body, I felt really tense in my body. And actually that's not how I wanted to react. Those are the moments where we can start to uncover um, maybe what state we're in and what, what might feel right for us to move forward with. And one of the things I was thinking is I think that sometimes people think that, well, I had this traumatic experience or I had something happen and I'm just going to push it down and move on. And I think one of the things to, to just really highlight is that when you push it down, it gets bigger and stronger to be like, no, no, look at me over here. And I think sometimes people will think of it as like, well, I don't want to make excuses for myself. Like 
that happened to me, but I'm, I'm this other thing. And I love the way you talk about it. Cause it's kind of shifting the word curiosity. It's not, it's not blame. It's, it's not, it's not making an excuse. It's just, I'm curious, how does that impact me now? And if you can be curious and honest about it, mm-hmm. you can move forward in such a more peaceful way yes. than if you're constantly trying to stuff the Jack in the box, back in the box. Um, yes. And I think we all, you know, anyone who's had a traumatic experience or had it, there is that, that inclination to want to just stuff it away. And then there gets to be a point where that you just kind of realize, okay, that's not working. Mm-hmm. That's not working. It's not sustainable. Um, so I, I love that way you talk about just being curious and just what is this? I was talking to somebody, a friend recently about, um, I heard you talk about the um, ACE score. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that, but it really gave them um, kind of some relief to be like, oh yeah. So there's there's data that suggests that these traumatic incidences in my ACE score would cause me some harm. And there's kind of some power in that, like taking back the power of like, it did cause me harm. And now what? So yes. can you just talk a little bit about the ACE score just so people know yeah. what it is? And it's yeah. easy to find online if you want it to is. check it out. Yeah. Um, so ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experience. And it's a study that was done in the, uh, started in the mid 1990s with the CDC and Kaiser Permanente. And it was started with 17,500 adults. And they had all of these individuals fill out a questionnaire that it started with 10 questions. And I believe since has been expanded on, um, but those questions were related to experiences you might've had between the ages of like zero to 18. And it included things like, um, having parents uh, or caregivers who were alcoholic or incarcerated or experienced sexual abuse or um, emotional abuse or neglect. Um, So it had a a range of 10 questions. And I believe since it's been expanded to include things like bullying, um, that might be more um, uh, kind of inclusive of our world today. I think they've added some stuff to the the original um, questionnaire. But what they found was there there was such a strong correlation between the number of aces. So as you answered these questions, you got one point for each one, you know, that you said, yes, I experienced this. Yes, I experienced this. And um, what they found was really fascinating that the correlation between um, autoimmunity and um women in adulthood um, was a strongly linked or excuse me, autoimmunity and ACEs. So the number of the more ACEs you had in developing autoimmunity later in life as a woman was as strongly linked as smoking and lung cancer. That the data really was strong to indicate when we experience early childhood trauma or uh, yes, early childhood trauma. Sorry, I was getting over my words here. Um, And what happens is it changes our biology. So we become stressed more easily because the automatic responses in our body don't shut off. If we're stressed and we, as a child, we're experiencing sexual abuse, for example, we can't fight and we can't run away. Those responses are still happening in our body. We're still 
the hormones, the stress hormones are still being released in our body. And the more that that happens, the more it shifts our biology. So we become more easily stressed and our body starts to kind of develop this low grade stress response that just constantly runs in the background of our, our bodies and it deteriorates our health. It deteriorates our, um, vitality, our immune system, our hormones, our everything and everything in our, our digestive system, all of that gets influenced. And so the ACEs study really was um, showing this correlation between when we experience multiple ACEs, um, we can develop autoimmunity or uh, behavioral challenges later in life because of those experiences. And um, I believe if I'm remembering the data, right, if you've experienced two or more ACEs, you have a 70% increased chance of developing um, autoimmunity later in life, things like uh, thyroid disease, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, um, allergies, just general allergies, IBS. I mean, the list goes on and that's just with two, two things. So the more that you have of these ACEs, the more stronger, um, the, the likelihood is that you'll develop, uh, some chronic health issues later in life. And I, I feel like listings that one, I'm really glad I asked you to describe the ACE study because I, I would have, <laughs> I knew none of that. And two, I think that it's like, it sounds like bad news, right? Like, oh, it's like, oh gosh. Yeah, great. Now I'm just going to die early. (laughs) But I think sometimes it takes the, the, the burden off the individual and reminds you that there's a lot of things that have happened to you up until now, and maybe can give you a way to turn more compassion to yourself. Yes. Not just be like, messing up again. You know, that there are some reasons why this could be true for you. Yes. And if you can acknowledge those, have some compassion for yourself, then you might move forward in a more successful way, like, and, and want to take better care of yourself. A hundred percent. I know for me, when I first learned of this study, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Like, you know, when you have chronic health issues, you, there, you hold a lot of shame. You hold a lot of guilt. Like, why can't I just live my life the way I used to be able to live it? Why can't I just get past this? You know, for me, I started to develop chronic fatigue syndrome and it was just debilitating and so hard to get out of bed every day. And I held so much shame. Like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Like, why can't I do this? Why can't I, you know, I can't even like make good, healthy food. You know, I can't, get downstairs to drink the water. Like I can't take care of my kids. What is wrong with me? And instead of really looking at myself, like I'm broken and I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me. I'm just this horrible human that can't figure out life. You know, this study really was like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense to me now that I'm at this place. Oh my gosh. Like that trauma I experienced as a child really affected me like poor, my poor body. Oh my gosh. You've been like carrying this forward for so long. I get why you're so exhausted. And for me, then it gave me power to say, okay, now that I understand this, I can approach my path forward with new eyes, with a new lens of like, I'm going to, I sought out, you know, functional health practitioners and started looking at a holistic way to managing my stress instead of just 
you know, trying to do a 15 minute meditation. Now I'm trying acupuncture or now I'm really understanding why I need to be outside in nature going on hikes because that really fills up my cup instead of draining it. You know, now I understand why I need to ask for help. You know, as being the mom, as being trying to be this perfect mom who had it all together, this perfect career woman who never asked for help and could do everything, I needed to learn how to ask for help because I actually needed it to be able to give and fill up my cup so that I could, you know, care for this. But it became a place, a source of compassion. And I hope that that's true for others too. You can go online and search up ACEs and there's an ACE quiz I even think that there's an app now that has a quiz on it that you can take. So if you just search up ACEs, you can take the quiz on your own. Um, But there's lots of data, lots of information online too, that can help you discern, you know, what your ACE score is. And just my advice for everyone or invitation for everyone would be to look at it through the lens of compassion. Like, oh my gosh, this body has been through a lot. Let's give it some love. Let's give it some attention and then, you know, find an empowering way to move forward. Yeah. Well, I love the work you're doing. I'm so excited to know about you as a resource. And I'm wondering if you could just tell everybody where they can get more information about you and learn more about what you do. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Mandy L Harvey and my website is Mandy L Um, on there. I do have a couple of freebies. Uh, there's one about decoding your fatigue. Um, and also there's a force one. That's a four-step process about how, how to uh, connect inward with your emotions to bring yourself more love, self-love and self-compassion. Um, but those would be the best places to kind of read more about me, check me out, um, and see what I'm up to. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the family brain. If you've thought of someone, you know, while you were listening, I would love it if you would share this episode with them. And if you really loved it, you could leave a five-star review that helps people find the show and spread the word. Thanks so much for listening.